and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said to them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on their right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? Be baptized of the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized. With all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, the other disciples, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be a chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Thank you, Charlene. <laughs> That is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So in the story here for today, we have James and John, these fishermen, if you remember, from a family of fishermen. And over the past few years, them, along with those other 10 disciples, have been following Jesus. They've watched his teachings, his healings. Miracles, casting out of demons, they've all been part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. They've been personally selected by Jesus. And here in this 10th chapter of Mark, Jesus, if we look before this story happens, Jesus has blessed the little children, said, don't anyone come in the way, let the little children come to me. That's why I'm always happy when we have little ones in our church services that bring so much life. He gave the teaching about how difficult it is for people, wealthy people especially, to enter the kingdom of God. And then right before our reading for today, Peter, he's kind of upset. He, Peter in verse 28 says, look, we have given up everything and followed you, becoming your disciples and accepting you as teacher and Lord. And after Peter says that, Jesus reminds them, he, he gives them this testimony they're on the way to Jerusalem at this point. And he, said, he tells them, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to die. This is actually the third time in Mark's gospel that he tells them, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to die. He may not say that exactly. It's me. But he says the son of man who they recognize as the Messiah. That's the setting for this story in the gospel of Mark today disciples trying to figure out what all this means as they make their way to Jerusalem. What we see James and John do here really isn't totally 
unaccepted, I guess is the word I'm looking for. They, they have believed and they have acknowledged that Jesus is the Messiah. And they believe that the Messiah was coming to overthrow the Roman oppressors. He was going to claim the throne in Jerusalem. They are making the mistake that the, the kingdom of God is a physical kingdom. When we now know that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. James and John, they know there's those 10 other disciples. And they want to be sure to let Jesus know, hey, we want to be close to you when you claim your throne. Because just like the Romans who that was the example they were using. And even the kings of Israel in past, if you were close to the royalty, the rulers, you had certain power, certain prestige, and you gained a little more money the closer you kept to the rulers. And as I was reading this and thinking about it, it's really not much better than our government here in the United States. Ever since we were formed, as soon as we elect a new president, people line up and say, hey, I will gladly be part of your administration. They want to stay close to the power. Some of them honestly do it because they want to help the country. But there's those who say, I think I want to be close to that power of the nation. The more I study the Bible and I study history, the more I realize people really are not that much different. We as people are not much different from those people 2,000 years ago that are read about in the gospel. The way we live is different because we have more technology, but we, our thoughts, our emotions are basically the same. And people throughout history have chased after riches and power. You know, in our society, capitalism is, is proud of, and we, we work hard. We're told, work hard and you, you'll benefit. So that people at times will put blinders on. I'm working hard. I'm going to have a nice house, I'm going to have a nice family, I'm going to have a nice bank account. I really think that's all James and John are trying to do here. Hey, we followed you, Jesus. Hey, when you take your throne, don't forget about us. And in Matthew's gospel, their mother actually makes the same, hey, don't forget my sons. Any mother would do that for their sons. Hey, we follow you for years. Will you do us just one favor? Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he replied to them, what do you want me to do for you? And here's what I find amazing in this story. Jesus has just explained that he's going to Jerusalem to die, to be persecuted. And then right after that setting, we have this, hey, we have a favor. Can you do us a favor, boss? And Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Now we're going to test your Bible knowledge. As I studied this, I said, I've heard this before. Jesus asking someone, what do you want me to do for you? And as I studied it, this is the fourth time. There's four times in the Gospels where Jesus asked this question to people. The three other times, it was a certain kind of pe person or people that he asked. Does anyone remember? What do you want me to do for you? In the other three instances, he asked that question to blind people, a blind man, 
were several blind men. Now, Jesus knew they were blind, yet he still asked them, what do you want me to do for you? It's in Matthew 20, 32, Luke 18, 41, Mark 10, 51, and here in Mark 10, 36. As I was thinking, okay, three times we were talking to blind people, and then in this instance, is God trying to tell us that pursuing power and riches can blind people? Isn't it? It's, it's a normal reaction. We don't want to be forgotten. Hey, I've worked hard. Remember what I've done. James and John, they want to be sure they don't get left behind in this new kingdom that Jesus is going to sit on the throne of. Then Jesus gives them the bad news. Hey, I don't even have the authority to choose that. God the Father has that authority. And then we hear about the other disciples. They're a little angry. They're a little pissed off. Can you believe what they just asked Jesus? Oh, I can't believe that James and John did that. I thought, maybe they're mad because they didn't think of it first. And I can just, I love, I like visualizing these stories. I can just see, they're, they're in the road. They're making their way to Jerusalem when the story takes place. I see Jesus in the middle of the road with his head down and just shaking his head going, will they ever understand? Again, this is the third time he said, I'm going to be persecuted, beaten. <coughs> And they still don't understand. We could say that those disciples in that moment are spiritually blind to what Jesus has been teaching, what the kingdom of God really is about. And then at that point, Jesus calls them over. Verses 42 to 44. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their powerful men exercise authority over them. But this is not how it is among you. Instead, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first and most important among you must be slave to all. This is one of the most important teachings about God's kingdom that Jesus has given those disciples that day and to us all these years later. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. Greatness in God's kingdom is not measured by rank or power, but by serving other people. When we're serving others, when we're helping others, when we're calling others to check them, calling just to see how they're doing and to offer our sympathy when there's a time of need, our blinkers come off. We're able to see God's kingdom more clearly, I believe. Most businesses and organizations and institutions, they measure greatness by Personal achievement. How much have you done? Look what you've accomplished. It's different in God's kingdom. Serving others is the way to get ahead. 
whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. Didn't say should be, must be your servant. That's how Jesus formed this church body. Rather than seeking to have our needs met, we need to look for ways that we can minister and help other people. Our brothers and sisters here at Asbury and those in the surrounding community and world. Here's an important point I want to make whenever I start thinking about serving others. It's we serve others. We don't serve others to save ourselves. Any religion that is performance based is not Christ based. It's not what Jesus taught. There are some who teach you do. And as you accomplish thing, there's even one, uh, the Mormons and later day saints. They believe that if you work hard enough, you will be godlike. In the next eternity. You work up to certain standards. That's, that's not what Jesus taught. How are we saved? Only through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It's our faith and belief in Jesus. His death and his resurrection. That saves us eternally. We serve others because of our love of God. God chose to leave his heavenly realm to pay the ransom for us all, for all people. It's offered a ransom. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God came down to serve, not to be served. Jesus paid a ransom. He did it for us because we could not pay it on our own. And every time I hear ransom, I guess too many movies, I always think of kidnapping. What if someone kidnapped one of our dogs? Said, hey, we demand you pay $5 million for the safe return of your dog. No way I could pay that. I don't have those resources. Now, some rich person suddenly appears and says, I will pay that ransom and you won't owe me anything. How would I feel about that person? No one could pay the debt of our sin except God himself. Jesus' death on the cross released us from slavery to sin. God's love for us is exemplified in Jesus' life, <coughs> death, Resurrection. It's the ultimate example of serving others. Warren Wiersbe wrote this. God's pattern in scripture is that a person must first be a servant before God promotes him or him or her to be a ruler. It's true of Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, and even our Lord himself. If Jesus Christ followed this pattern in accomplishing the great work of redemption, then surely there is no other pattern for us to follow. Now today, as I mentioned before, and Charlene mentioned on Lady Sunday, we celebrate you, the people of Asbury United Methodist Church, and those who've gone before us. 
who through your service and their service in this body of Christ enables us to continue the ministry that of Jesus Christ that was given to us to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Being a shepherd of God's flocks is the highest honor I could possibly have or imagine. Joining with you, the people of Asbury, has been one of the highest honors. It's been a blessing to me as we minister alongside one another. Being a blessing to those in our church family and those in the community. And what I've discovered in my life, and maybe you have too, is that serving others satisfies. That's what the SOS is for my message. Serving others satisfies. We learn from Jesus that serving others allows us to see God's kingdom more clearly. Our blinders come off. And when our vision is clear, then maybe we can see God's will for our own lives a little bit better. Maybe you've heard this statement. Maybe you had someone teach it to you as a younger person. Can't say anything nice. Don't say anything at all. Such a popular truism. Again, maybe mom, dad, grandma, grandpa taught that to you. And if we were raised, we grew up in a nice family to be nice to people. We were raised so that you, you say thank you. You help other people. And then we often pass that down to our own children. Be nice. That can be summed up. That's the philosophy. Just be nice. We try and teach our children and grandchildren to say nice things, do nice things. We insist that they play nice with others. There was a man named John Temple. He was very intelligent, smart. He made a lot of money. He once said, it is nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Timothy Merrill wrote about a person who has Put this philosophy to work. Her name is Deidre Freeman. She's a painter in the San Francisco Bay Area. Every week she'll walk a mile or so to a busy corner with a large coat bag. In the bag are a hammer, nails, and a colorful painting of a heart or hearts with some other random designs. She hangs the artwork, or what she calls her heart work, on a telephone pole. She calls it a love and kindness movement. Her goal is to just get people smiling and feeling a little bit of love. Known by many as the heart lady, she is succeeding. She brings a little sunshine to her corner of the world. She's doing something nice. She's being nice. She's putting into action the words of an old hymn, often Sunday, no, school, Sunday schools. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Someone from Harbor, you may guide across the bar. Brighten the corner where you are. That's the mission and ministry that Jesus has given us 
here at Asbury. Thank you again for your service, for everything you do in the mission and ministry of the work here at Asbury. When you do anything, you are being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. May we continue to look towards Jesus to guide us as our author and perfecter of our faith that saves us all. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts given this day. We give those out of the abundance of what you have blessed us with in our lives. We ask you to continue to, to bless these offerings and multiply them so we continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen.